I think this is the last week in our series. I think this is going to wrap it up. And we've been doing this series on disciple and what it means to be a disciple and be involved in discipling. So I hope you've enjoyed it. So tonight we're going to look at several passages. Most of it is on your handout, so I'd encourage you to have your handout out and ready to go. And that way you'll get the most out of this. You can also turn to the passages in your Bible if you'd like. So let's begin in, with our theme verse. Our theme verse for the series comes from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So we're looking at this Great Commission and the key phrase in there. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and... What's it say? Or it could also say what? Go therefore and make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we said there's three principles that have guided the whole study that we've done together on this theme of discipleship. First of all, disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and you get it. So the point is, it's an ongoing process. The ones that Jesus is speaking to in Matthew 28, they are disciples. And he tells them, hey, disciples, you go make disciples. And if you're following Jesus, he's the ultimate disciple maker. So each, each person that's a disciple of Jesus is supposed to be on a journey of being a disciple and making more disciples. Now, number two, look at the second principle here. So help me out here. I'm going to pause. You say the next word. Ready? Jesus gave the and the pattern. So he gave the process and the pattern for making disciples. The process is right there in the Great Commission. We give the gospel, we baptize, and then we teach people all the things that they need to know. That is the process. The pattern is, well, some of the things we've been looking at every week. Like, what practical steps did, were, are found in the New Testament? What practical steps did people take to carry out discipleship? And so we've looked at a different theme of that pattern every single week. This is the eighth one. And then this is the third one, and this is, I think, for us at our church, I really wanted to get this one point across above everything else in this whole series, and that's the third Making Disciples Principle. Number three, discipleship involves who? The whole church. Discipleship involves the whole church. Every person is supposed to have a part in it. Every person. So hopefully as we've gone through this, you've been asking yourself the question, am I engaged? Am I involved in this discipling process? So let's recap all the past weeks. The first one was just that introduction. The second one, we said, if you're going to be making disciples, you've got to have compassion. The third week, practicing hospitality. The fourth week, hey, you got to show up. you got to be an active assembler with the church. Number five, we talked about mentoring. That was a fun one. Number six, we talked about just being faithful and how that makes a difference in discipleship. Last week was really fun because we talked about, or it wasn't last week, it was the week before, but we talked about using our gifts. We talked about spiritual gifts and had a really good discussion about that. And then this week, I want to finish with this, and that is follow the leaders. Follow the leaders. That's the eighth lesson 
in disciple. Be one, make one. So, turn it onto the inside, and let's look at a couple of passages. I'm going to try to give you plenty of scripture tonight. And the first passage I want you to look at is 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 1. This is a really short statement, but it's an interesting statement. Look what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Paul says, Be ye followers of who? What did he just tell the church to do? Follow him. Now, we'll talk a little bit about this, but is that, does that maybe sound a little bit presumptuous at first? Maybe a little bit, but he gives us an important qualifier when he says that. The important qualifier is this. He says, be followers of me, and what's the qualifier? Right. So they, he said, you are safe to follow me so long as I am what? Following, following Jesus. Disciples actually sometimes follow other disciples as they follow Christ. And there's a healthy and an unhealthy type of following people. And I want to talk about that in a minute in our discussion questions tonight. But now I want to give you a little bit more specific. So 1 Corinthians 11, well, you could say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. But is there a pattern? Are we supposed to follow leaders? Are we supposed to follow human leaders? How many would answer yes, we're supposed to? Well, that's the lesson. I'm going to prove that, try to prove that tonight. So that's kind of the obvious one. The Bible teaches we're supposed to follow human leadership in addition to God's leadership. So look at what it says in, in or I should say under God's leadership. Look at what it says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 17. Hebrews 13 and verse number 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I want to talk a little bit about leading and following in the church. Again, the, the obvious question, how many of you would say that good leadership is very important in any organization, whether it's a secular organization or if it's important in the secular world, it's surely important in the church sphere that God has given us to have good, strong, healthy, biblical leadership. It's important. But, did you, but sometimes we forget that leadership is only as effective as the followership. It's kind of an interesting thought. There's a lot of talking in our culture today about leadership and how to be a good leader. But there's not always a lot of topics about how to be a good follower, how to be a good follower. So let's talk about this. Ready for the discussion questions? Are you ready? You ready to discuss? Do you have enough coffee yet so you can participate? I'm counting on you. All right, here we go. You don't look like you had coffee, Lane. No, no. <laughs> All right, so here we go. First question. What does, what would you say, just, and this is, I'm not looking for a right answer necessarily, I'm not looking for a wrong answer either, but what would you say healthy leadership looks like, and then we'll say unhealthy leadership, because we all know there's, there's healthy leadership and there's unhealthy leadership. So what would you say healthy leadership looks like? Somebody? What would you say? Bethany. Oh, that's so like a humble leader who will listen to other people. 
Yeah, that's very good. Carly, you had your hand up. Okay, so they respect the, one fo the ones following. I like it. Yep. Somebody who sets an example. That's healthy leadership. Yeah, Deborah. Okay, so they help their followers be the best that they can be. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yep. Oh, I didn't hear what you said. A servant leader. Yeah. Jesus said, if you, you're going to say, Jim, Jesus said, if you're going to, whoever's going to be the greatest needs to be the servant of all. So servant leadership, really important. Just when you answer good and loud, because these air conditioners are kind of loud tonight, what were you going to say? Uh, engaging. Engaging, yeah. Right. Approachable and able to, yeah, that's good. What else would we say healthy leadership looks like? Any other thoughts on that? Those are good. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. So if you didn't hear it in the back, not necessarily knowing everything, but knowing who to find who does know it. I've heard this said that if a leader looks around the room and they feel like they're the smartest person in the room, that's not very effective leadership. Because good leaders know that they need to surround themselves with people who have areas of expertise better than theirs. So that's good. Good observations. What else? Anybody else? You'd say this is a this is good leadership. Yep. Clear direction. Yeah. What else? Healthy leadership. Healthy leadership. Yes. Okay. So leading from experience. Yeah. Test and yep. Honesty. Yeah. I think integrity. Right. Like people can have all these skills and abilities, but if their character is flawed, then they cannot lead. Very good. Humble was already said. But it can be said twice because it's very important. Humble. <laughs> Chaste. Chaste. Yeah, purity. Because power, like many leaders fall into sexual sins. So chaste, purity is very important. Greed too. Like they shouldn't be greedy. They should be, yeah. Because with power comes corruption sometimes. With authority comes that corruption. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. Compassion. Yeah, a compassionate person. Sounds like we're describing Jesus, right? Like the, Jesus is the model of a good leader. Anything else? Healthy leadership, what does it, what does it look like? I think there's some other things that we haven't said. There, there's a, oh, go ahead. Have those difficult conversations, yeah. I think good leadership requires an element of courageous faith, too, to be able to make a decision, to be able to make a decision that you know is right, even if it may be unpopular. That's a good, so long as you're making it for the good of those that are, you're leading. Meekness. Yeah, meekness. There's a lot of, I, I'm always reminded of it, we live in a day of self-promotion where leaders look to make platforms and all this, and I always remember the proverb that says, let another man praise thee and not thine own lips. Let the praise come from somebody else, not yourself. That's really good. Anything else? Somebody would say healthy leadership. Yes. Empathy. Yeah, to be able to put yourself in their, in their shoes. All right, what about unhealthy leadership? Oh, you're ready to go. You're just like, like boom. Like, ding. yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Bottleneck.
choked off. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a hard thing. Like a lot of young leaders struggle with that because it's like, oh, I got all these ideas. I want to do it. And it's, they have a hard time learning that. So yeah, I can relate to that. What else? Unhealthy leadership. Yeah, that scripture is going to come in in a little while tonight to, to just to, to domineer people and to, I think the attitude that the, the, the people are here for the leader, like that attitude that's like, well, these people are here to accomplish my agenda, to accomplish my end. I've got a goal. I've got places I want to be, things I want to accomplish. And let's see how I can use these people to do that, whether that's intentional or accidental. Yep. Right. It's an, uh, if weak leadership is unhealthy, if you don't have anybody that's steering the ship, a lot of organizations struggle because people are afraid to make the decision. Someone who thinks too highly of themselves. Yeah. Leader that always says yes. Leader that always says yes. Is that, that's not, yeah. Boy. Anybody feeling like leadership is like a heavy uh, <laughs> leader who always says no, no, it's true, yeah. This reminds me, I didn't put this scripture in there, but James chapter something, verse something, says, brethren, I think it's James chapter 2, brethren, be not many masters. You understand what he means by that? He says, don't all of you want to be in charge, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. There's a greater judgment for those who want to be leaders. Too many sheep. Too many Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to say that today. I think you just violated PC rule number 322A. You can do chefs in the kitchen. That is allowed to be said. That is allowed. That is allowed. Too many generals and not enough corporals. So, yeah. So, um, yes. We put PC at a very high value around here. So, um, yeah, these are all unhealthy expressions. Do they manifest themselves in the, in the church world sometimes? Yeah, they do. In marriages as well. Yeah. Both healthy and unhealthy. Well, now let's turn it around. Let's talk about this. What does healthy following look like? And then unhealthy following. Because if leadership is important, followership is important. Has anybody ever seen the video? I, I wish I thought of this. I just thought of it on the spot. But there's a video on YouTube. It's called The First Follower. I mean, yeah, has anybody ever seen that video, The First Follower? Well, write it down and look it up later. Don't take your phone out, though, because don't do that, okay? I will see you. So just write it down, The First Follower. And it's this really funny scene. It's like all these like young, adult, college-age people on a hillside somewhere. They're all on a hillside, and they're just enjoying a nice day out on the hillside. And there's probably like 100 or so people, maybe a couple hundred, all scattered around. And all of a sudden, this dude just gets up and starts dancing. I mean, it's just the most bizarre. Like, he's just ready to be like, you know, make a fool of himself, you know? I don't know what the, you don't, we don't know what the music was. You just see this guy, like in the middle of this hillside, just, has anybody seen it now? You know what I'm talking about? No? He's just dancing around on the hill, and it goes on uncomfortably for a couple of minutes, or it feels like, feels like 20 minutes. This guy, it's not, but he's just doing his thing, doing his thing. And nothing happens. Nothing happens until what do you think happens next? 
One, my dad's like, who in the world would do that? Like, that is definitely not your... Uh... No, no, because, it, because what it's doing is it's illustrating a principle. So what happens is this other guy or girl, I don't remember, sees him and stands up and starts dancing along with him. And do you know what happened the second, that second? You know, what do you think happened? Um, I can imagine. I didn't see anything. Everybody else, Everybody else jumps, on, jumps on, on board. And all of a sudden, you go from one lunatic to it wasn't, he, he was not an amazing leader. It was the principle of the first follower. That once there was a follower, then everything. So it's interesting. It's an interesting principle of that sometimes following is just as important as leading. So let me ask you this. What would you say healthy following looks like? What is healthy following? Yes. Discernment. Discernment. Care to elaborate? I thought that's what you were going to say. That's, yeah, I would say pick who you're going to follow wisely, right? Don't just, just, and we live in the era of popular people on the internet all over. People get followings very quickly. Be a discerning. Yeah, so that's a good one. I'd write that one down. A healthy follower is a discerning follower. What else is a healthy follower? Yeah, that's great. You're available. You say, hey, what's the plan? I'll get involved. I'll get on board. I love it. What else? Willing to change. Oh, I guess so. what did you say? Could you say that again? Willing to change. Wow, willing to change. Sometimes, yeah, that's that's a tough one for people, but it's it's important. Yeah, you put the discernment with the willing to change, and you've got a powerful combination right there in effective following. What else makes a good follower? Yep, loyalty. Yeah, so that's a two-way street, right, between the leader and the follower. Loyalty. Yep. Right. <laughs> and you're like, not sure that's your best course of action. What are you going to say, Jim? Healthy following. Not sure I followed 100%, but we'll, we'll go, I'll go with it, though. So what's, a, what's another one? Yeah, healthy following. Like spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. They've got to be somebody that is, they're in a good place themselves. Take care of them. Yeah, stable. That's really good. What else? Healthy following. Yeah. A, a healthy follower is gracious. They understand that the, that the leader is a human who is going, so long as the leader isn't making a gross, sinful error, they allow the leader to make some mistakes. They, they expect that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah.
you've got to walk before you can run, right? Yeah. Yeah, you better not come back. What else? Healthy following. Somebody else. What is that? Yes, Carla. Good communication. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because sometimes the relationship between leaders and followers, something breaks down and being willing to communicate. That's good. It's very good. Yep. Engaged. Yeah. Submit. Yeah, that li it does say that in these passages we read, right? Obey, submit. Yeah. What else, Deborah? Give up on your own, some of your own ideas. Go along. Yeah, that's a hard one because sometimes people bring a lot of good ideas to a leader, and the leader has to. He can't say yes to all of them. And to be able to get on, I deal with this in my workplace all the time. Like we have a rule that we can, in our leadership meetings, we can disagree and conflict and argue it out professionally with each other. But once a decision is made, we all get on board and we do it for the good of the organization. And it's helped our company tremendously. Where somebody in a private meeting, we might have been like, no, this is not the right way, not the right way. And then when we get out of there, it's like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, or your church. Yeah, you let go of your preferences. And a leader has to do the same thing. Healthy leadership and followership, followership they have to be in sync. Yes, sir. Mindful and aware. Mindful and aware, yeah. Yep. Team player. Yeah, anything else? Be invested. Yeah. You can be, in, and there's lots of ways to be invested. Like... You're invested with your time, your energy, financially. You get in, you get in some ownership in there. Yeah, it's good. Through the lows and the highs. Yeah. This is good stuff. You guys are. You guys should write a leadership fellowship book. You know what's that? The coffee worked. <laughs> yeah, it's my sinister. I told Bree it's my sinister plot to give everybody coffee before on Wednesday night. So. Now, if you can't sleep, sorry, but um, so let's ask this other question. What are the responsibilities? Let's do this. We'll do this a little faster, but based on what we read, look at the verse again. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over, to, over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Ultimately, we could say what are the responsibilities, but what is the ultimate responsibility of the leader? What is the ultimate responsibility of a, of a spiritual leader? Whether it's in a home or it's in a church, look at Hebrews 13, 17, and what is their ultimate, what is the ultimate responsibility? Yep. What's that? Watch over souls, steward souls, and present them to God, to give an account for their leadership to God. That's a big responsibility. Every leader, whether it's a pastor or a father or a mother or a boss, we all have this stewardship of directing other people's lives, and we'll be accountable to God for that. But at the same time, what are the responsibilities of a spiritual follower? I believe in the same way, we're responsible to recognize that, recognize the role, and to submit. And to, so long as it's biblical, to, to get on board. So, let's narrow in, and we'll take the rest of our time, 
and we'll focus in on the two, there's really only two positions of leadership in the church. And we're talking about discipleship. So we started just talking about leadership in general, and probably all of you are in some kind of position of leadership in some sphere of your life. So we've kind of talked about that generically. But now we'll just narrow our focus to the theme, which is discipleship. The local church is the place where discipleship happens. So God has set up really just two positions of leadership within the church. And you'll, you'll find these in the scripture. And the two positions are elder, or also known as pastor. And then what's the second position in the church, the second office in the church? You have, you have the elder, the pa- who is the pastors. What? And deacons. Yeah. So you have elders and deacons. Now, the first thing I want to show you is the role of the elders or the pastors in the church. Now, I use the word elders not because it's more popular nowadays, although it is, but historically, if you look at church history, the, in English-speaking places, that has been the primary word to describe the role of the pastor. Pastor came to be popular in the mid-20th century. And biblically, you'll find three words. There are three titles that refer to the same office of leadership in the church. So if you want to write them down, these are the three words that you will find in your English Bible. And I'll show you where they are tonight. The three words are this, elder, pastor, and bishop. Okay? Elder, pastor, bishop. One more time, elder, pastor, bishop. Now, what those three words do is they identify different attributes of the same office. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I can, I can show you. Let's read 1 Peter 5. 1 through 5. It's on your handout, or you can turn there or look at the screen. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. Notice how he begins. In verse number 1, who does he address? The elders. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, I'd like you to underline these next three words. Feed the flock. Feed the flock. Feed the flock of God which is among you. That word feed, the Greek word, is the word that is translated either feed or it's translated pastor. It's the word pastor. That's where we get that term from. In the Greek, Greek, yeah. So it literally means to shepherd. It means pastor. And even in English, pastor can refer to a shepherd. So... And it's, they translate it here, feed. Some translations will say shepherd. It's the, it's the role of the, it's the pastoring role. Then, so he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the, now circle this next word, oversight. Taking the oversight thereof. That is the Greek word that is also translated bishop. So a little bit of original languages here helps us. Because, um, and that is the word um, episkopos. So you've got three words. You've got elder, which is presbyteros. Presbyterian. You're learning. Okay, you're figuring it out. Presbyteros is elder. Presbyterian denomination uses that. Episkopos is the bishop. 
the Episcopal Church. And actually, you will find in their church government, their polity, it's, they, don't, they, they miss, I think, this very important point here, which is that in the Bible, basically what he says this is he says, hey, elders, you need to be pastors and bishops. That's literally what is said here. Pastors, he says, elders, which are among you, I exhort whom also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, pastor the flock of God, being the bishop thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. What is filthy lucre? Money, money, money. Don't try to get the money from the people. You see these guys on TV with their jets and all that kind of stuff? Like, it's just like kind of crazy sometimes. Kind of crazy the way money is used. In, um, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. This is what Jim was saying before, verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief pastor shall appear. Who's the head pastor of the church? Jesus. When he shows up. Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So it's the job of every pastor when he gets done at the last day to say, Jesus, here's your church back. Here's your, here your, here's your flock back. People use the phrase being an under-shepherd because he's the chief shepherd. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Now, if you wanted to see the requirements of elders, because there are some important requirements, you would have to look at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. We're not going to go there tonight, but that would be good for you to look at and see, well, what does God expect of these people who are supposed to lead the church? Now, how many elders should a church have? It depends. You're absolutely right, James. The Bible actually doesn't say, and people argue over this. They're like, there must be a plurality of elders in the church. And then other people say, no, there needs to be one senior leader in the church responsible to the congregation. And you will not find the scripture speak definitively either way. It just says churches need to have elders. And I think there's wisdom in that, that the Lord allows congregations. The principle is that all churches should ordain elders everywhere. So I have friends in their churches, they have a, 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 a team of elders. Other churches, they have one main person that leads it. And I think you can find healthy expressions of both so long as people are following the scriptures. So elders, what are the responsibility of the presbyteros, of the pastors, of the bishops in the church? Well, let me give you three things that you find from this passage and from one other passage. Number one, elders... Feed the flock, that's your blank, they feed the flock the word of God. They feed the flock the word of God. That's really a primary responsibility. Nowadays, pastors have a lot of expectations on them. They're expected to operate and function like CEOs, social media influencers, like, you know, entrepreneurs. But ultimately, at the heart of the role of the pastor it is to teach people and feed people the word of God. What does the Bible say and how does it impact your life? That's, that's the number one responsibility. He says, feed the flock, feed the flock of God which is among you. Interesting. 
who's their primary, who is the primary responsibility of the elders? Whose flock? You see that? Go ahead, Jesse, go back to verse number, verse number two. Feed the flock of God, which is where? Among you. So sometimes pastors have teaching ministries that extend beyond their local church. Is that wrong? No. So long as what? So long as their primary flock is being fed, right? The, because the pastor's responsibility isn't to, and, and you need to keep this in mind as you look at all of the Christian influencers around our world today, the primary responsibility is to the local church to feed the flock of God. If there is given influence beyond that, that's a wonderful thing, but it should not diminish and most of the, the pastors I've known and that have been mentors to me over the years, many of them do preach out and preach at other places and have wider ministries, but they don't neglect the, the feeding of the Word of God of their local church. Okay? Oh, that's not a hand up. You've got to be careful. When in, this, in this environment, if you play with your necklace, like, I'm calling on you, all right? You've got you to watch those. It's like an auction. I always say it's like an auction. You just bought yourself a, a steer right there, so... All right, number two, number two, elders oversee, that's your blank, elders oversee the direction of the church, that's that statement in verse number, in verse number three, two, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, oversight means you make decisions, they're not always they're not always going to be the right decision either. But somebody has to make the decisions. And the pastors are given that kind of responsibility. I really appreciated some of the things my dad was saying in the Sunday school class this last Sunday about just being prayerful for, uh, for pastors and the things that happen behind the scenes and things they have to deal with that you don't necessarily know about. But there's, there's, there's stress and emotion with the overseeing and the making decisions. Yes, sir. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's number two. So one, elders feed the flock, the word of God. Two, elders oversee the direction of the church. And number three, elders protect. Elders protect the purity of the church. There's a few ways this happens. Elders protect the purity of the church. There's a scripture in the book of Titus, Paul writing to Titus, who's a pastor, and he says to Titus, a divisive person... Give them, does anybody know how many warnings you're supposed to give somebody that causes division? You're going with three? That's a good guess. You're wrong, though. <laughs> Who? The Bible says, a divisive person, warn them two times. And after that, reject a divisive person. One of the most important things a leader does to protect the church is to keep device, divisiveness and division out. Really important. Yep. Yeah. That he that is such is a divisive person, is subversive and a sinner. Right. Right. 
And so we've, we've experienced that over the years, people that like, just are especially divisive, and you just have to do what it says. It's like, hey, you know, if, if you're not going to get this in line, then you need to go somewhere else. So, because that's protecting the purity of the church. You can't have div- div- divisive people that stir up trouble. But there's another thing, and that is the doctrinal integrity of the church. Look at Acts 20, verses 28 through 29. This is, okay, so if you want to write a note down here, this is, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. This is really a really cool passage, too. It mirrors the 1 Peter 5 passage. This is Paul. So remember, in 1 Peter 5, do you remember at the beginning, I showed you that all those three words are in that same passage, elder, bishop, and pastor? That's Peter writing, and now it's Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, and he says this. He says, the elders, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you, what's it say? Overseers. What do you think that word is? I heard somebody say it. What is it? Bishop. It's there again. If you go earlier in the chapter, I didn't put it here, but earlier in the chapter, it says that he's speaking to the elders. So they refer to his elders, and he says, you need to act as overseers. You need to act as bishops. So the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, and then it says, to what? To feed the church of God. What word do you think that is? The Greek word. Pastor. It's there. It's in both passages. So he says, hey, elders, you need to be good bishops, and you need to be good pastors. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Now, why? Look at verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So one of the functions of the leader is to say, no, that is not what we believe. That is not sound doctrine. And so we're not going to go in that direction. This is Paul speaking. So in Acts chapter 20, the scene, Paul is leaving Ephesus to go to Rome, and he says, hey, I want you to gather all the elders around. I've got some last words to say to them. So you read Acts 20, he gathers all the elders, and they have this tearful goodbye, and he gives them like this charge at the end. It's a really beautiful passage. So in both of these passages, you see the usage of the language, so it's instructive for us, but then you see the intentionality of the leadership behind it, okay? It's fine. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. So the elders submitted to his apostleship. Yeah. No, it's good. I I, I missed that part. You're right. He sent from Miletus to the Ephesian elders. You did correct me, because I was wrong. Because <laughs> I said he was in Ephesus. He wasn't. He was in Miletus, and he called the... So, it's good. A leader needs to be able to take correction. Humble leadership right there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Amazing, right? So amazing. Uh, and so humble, too, right? So anyway, um, look at the back now. So there's a, second, there's a second position of leadership in the church, but it's a little different. And that is the role of deacons in the church. And I'm just going to say, like, in our church right now, we need to start praying for God to raise up some deacons in our church. We need some 
some, um, we've, we have a, we don't have many deacons. Brother Jim Thompson has been a deacon for many, many years, and we need to see uh, new men come up and fill these ranks. But it's also a serious role. Not everybody is just supposed to be made a deacon. In fact, if you look at the notes underneath, uh, requirements of deacons, you need to read 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. So deacons are an important role in the church, but it's different than the role of elders. And Acts chapter 6, many people believe that these were the first deacons in the church. There's some disagreement about that. I think either way, though, you see the characteristics of a deacon in these men. So let's just, first of all, before we read the passage, look at the note underneath. You need a little bit of, a little bit of the original language here, too. The word deacon is the Greek word diakonos. You see, so it's just a transliteration. But diakonos is not always translated deacon in the Bible. It's a multi-purpose word that just means to serve. So basically what happened in the development of the church, the Lord established that there would be certain people who didn't just serve functionally diaconally, but they were given the office of the, the diaconate or, the, or the, um, as deacons. And so it's a little bit hard to distinguish, well, when is a passage just referring to somebody serving and when is a passage referring to somebody in the office? So the simplest way to think of it is, since the word deacon means servant, a deacon is a chief servant in the church. It's a leading servant in the church. It could be thought of a lot of ways as a manager. It's someone who, who is, is doing the service in the body of Christ. So here's the story, Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, church was getting really big, thousands, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Their widows were neglected. Hey, they said, you, you Jews are taking care of your widows, but our widows are going hungry. How come you're not taking care of them? Hey, Peter, Peter, James, John, you guys need to take care of this. There's discrimination going on here. This is what's happening in the church. <laughs> Sounds like your daily work, your daily supervisor role. Okay. You're, yeah, it's very, so anyway, so in that word, the daily administration is diacon, uh, diaconia. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and deacon the tables. Do you remember the primary role of the, the elders is to what? Feed the flock, minister in the word and prayer. So, they said, Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Notice they weren't just looking for practical qualifications. They were looking for spiritual qualifications as well. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. And once they had these great men in place, look what happened. The word of God, what? Increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. 
the deacon says, the deacon says, hey, we will handle the ministration of the physical needs of the church so that, the, in this case, it's the apostles, but in the contemporary case, it's so that the elders can be free to work on the oversight and the, the ministry of the word and prayer. In a healthy church, people say, hey, it's not that the pastor shouldn't be willing to do physical things. They should be. If a pastor is like, if an elder is like, oh, I am above cleaning the bathroom, you got a problem there, right? But at the same time, the church should be like, wait a minute, pastor, we want you in the word. We want you invested in, in us, in this church, reaching people and equipping the saints. Let me take care of this. Let me take care of that. That's the, and, the, and then, so if that's the attitude of all the members of the body, you need somebody to oversee all of that. You need somebody to manage all that. And so they appointed deacons. Number one, deacons serve the body. Deacons serve the body. Number two, deacons support the work of the elders. Deacons serve the body and they support the work of the elders. Now, a lot of churches get it confused. Their deacons act as like a board of control in the church. That's not a biblical thing. There should be a group of elders that, that help make those decisions. The deacon's role is support and service, not decision-making. Now, churches have developed their own structure and ideas about all this, but if you get to the Bible, it's pretty simple how this is supposed to function. So what we've done tonight is we've looked at healthy leadership, unhealthy leadership. We've looked at how that is manifested in the local church. And we don't have time to talk about it anymore. We're out of time. But I hope that you can you think about this, study it some more, ask questions, and ask yourself, in, in an area of, am I experiencing my full leadership potential? And then secondly, am I experiencing, am I being a faithful follower at the same time? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we do love you and thank you that uh, you've given us a clear method in Scripture. Help us to all be humble and realize that our ultimate allegiance, Jesus, is to you. Use us, Lord, to accomplish your power, to accomplish your purpose here by your power and your Holy Spirit. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.